0: So Money, episode 1526, Post-Pandemic Mom Burnout with Sarah Dean, creator of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
1: Women are incredibly tired and incredibly burned out, although I don't know that they're labeling it as such. Really overwhelmed. And then to be like, well, here's some tools, like here's some self-care tips. That just seems like kind of a slap in the face, to be like, here's three things you can do to take better care of yourself. Go get a massage. Right. Has time, and <laughs> who has money? And like, also like, I, my job might be on the line, my partner's job might be on the line, but I'm gonna go spend 150 bucks on a massage? Like, no, actually I'm not. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We are
0: in conversation today with Sarah Dean, business and leadership coach, keynote speaker, and creator of the podcast, The Shameless Mom Academy. She is a friend of the show. You might recall she came on So Money prior to the pandemic. We talked about working motherhood, stay-at-home parenthood. Fast forward to today, a lot has changed, including the economy. We've been through a pandemic. Where are mothers now? Sarah has the insights on burnout and the many ways women are socialized to be stripped of their own sense of agency and intuition. My contribution to all of this is why I firmly believe in afternoon naps. If you can sneak one in. And before we get to Sarah's interview, a reminder, if you'd like a copy of Laura Belgray's new book, new book called Tough Titties on living your best life when you're the effing worst, go back and listen to our episode on Monday where we talked to Laura Leave a review for that episode in the Apple Podcast review section, and I'm giving away 10 copies of Tough Titties. Yes, I am. And I'll be announcing those winners, not this Friday, but the following Friday. Now, without further ado, here is the incredible Sarah Dean. Sarah Dean, welcome back to So Money, creator, founder, host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast. I have to tell you, last time you were on the podcast, which was pre-pandemic the before times, not only did I love our conversation about motherhood and money, it got us a lot of fans. It also got me some trolls. So I think we were doing something nice. right. We were hitting a nerve. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. We're so yeah, close to the <laughs> So I'm willing to take the risk again and having you back and having this conversation. Yes. Uh, but now, of course, we're in a different time and place and world. We've had a whole pandemic now as the backdrop of our conversation today when we know that so many mothers among everybody suffered and it's great to have you back and and sort of catch up and talk about the state of motherhood now Mm -hmm. how are you doing how are you doing today i should say i've I've learned to ask this in a more precise way because how you're doing versus how you're doing today very
1: different yeah so okay today i'm actually doing pretty well but like four days ago, I spent most of the day crying. So, <laughs> and, and I'm not like a person that just like falls apart and cries all day, like ever. Um, so that's how I'm doing. Like some days I'm like, I think it's going to be okay. And then other days I'm like, I, I really don't know. And, and I see this happening in so many of the women in my close circle where I'm yes. like, a lot of us don't know if it's going to be okay. But the world seems to say, like, it's going to be okay now. Like, we haven't processed it for three years. We weren't sure that it was going to be okay. Like, we're supposed to think it's going to be okay now. (laughs) I'm I'm unclear. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I mean, if you're looking at
0: economic data, I don't think it's a fair assessment of how we're doing. You know, whether you're looking at the unemployment rate or the inflation rate. Like, I'm sorry. The food groceries are still very expensive. Um, The job market is not the best. And I don't know how we're getting these low unemployment rate rates, but take this behind the scenes to your life at least. And maybe, you know, why you have these volatile moments and perhaps as a
1: snapshot of how a lot of us are doing right now. Yeah. I think, you know, for three years, for the better part of three years, it really seemed like we were universally acknowledging like, and collectively acknowledging, like we're in this really unprecedented season and it's so hard and it's scary. And there was like so much loss and grief and trauma in that time. And now that we're in air quotes, not in that moment anymore, um, it, it feels like everyone is making this assumption that like everyone around us has moved on. So like the rest of us, like all of us should be moving on. But privately, we have not processed our trauma from the last three years, especially as moms. Like moms have endured some trauma everyone, I think everyone has endured trauma, whether big T trauma, little T trauma over the last three years. And we haven't had a chance to process that collectively or personally in most cases. Um, so moms I think are walking around not having processed this and I think privately really, really suffering. And I'm seeing that in ways where women are trying so hard to stay here. And when I say stay here, like just literally trying to live. And I know women who have opted to not make that choice. I know women who have lost their lives in my close network here in Seattle and in my professional network, um, in the mom space. And so it feels like society is like, we're good. And behind closed doors, it's like, we're not, we're not good. And I feel like we need to acknowledge that on a, on a more broad basis so that, we can all hold each other a little bit because I think that we need some holding. Yes. Yes. Who's saying we're good. Uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) perhaps the people who are doing great and making a lot of money right now, (laughs) like perhaps the, you know, the heads of companies who are bringing in billions while moms are still struggling and our children are having mental health crises and struggling in school. (laughs) And like, I just I think that the people who are doing great right now were probably doing great 3 years ago too. And I think it it needs to
0: be said that while women and moms are dealing with their own trauma in the aftermath of COVID-19 that if remember too women are often the go-tos for receiving and taking care of mm-hmm. other people's trauma. And yeah. so whether it is our children and I, I, my heart goes out to all the kids that are right now, especially I think the teenagers who spent so many of their development years in their adolescent years at home, not mm-hmm. socializing during what was a very important time of their lives to be out there and socializing. Yeah. You can't get a therapist right now. Uh, I can speak exactly. to that personally. Yeah. So there's moms dealing with that. And then of course, maybe their parents or their their network of friends, like you become that because we're givers and we're caregivers. And so it just uh, is compounding for women right now. I wonder, and this might be a tangent, but I think it's juicy. This is maybe why there is, I've been seeing this on a little bit on TikTok, on social media, this trend of women saying, I don't want to have it all. I don't want to have a career and be a mother. I just want to be a stay at home mom, as if that's easy, right? Okay. I want to be, uh, I want my husband or my partner to go out there and try to make all the money because I don't think that's an attractive way to live to try to juggle it all. And to some extent, I can see that point of view. Like it's yeah. not easy. It's not easy what you decide, right? Everything's hard. But there is, we now have facts <laughs> that. Are the way that our country is organized and structured. Our support systems do not support families. And a lot of times, those mothers that are at the helm of those families to go out there and, and earn a paycheck and also be at the forefront of caregiving. It's very, very difficult. The pandemic proved that to us. I wonder do you see this in your own orbit and community of women second guessing their potential now or not wanting for things that they used to because they just think it's a lose lose game?
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, I see that. Um, it's interesting because I haven't what I see is uh rather than enthusiasm for like I'm just gonna stay home. I see this more like um crumbling of I just can't and I don't want to. Like it's not this exalted like I'm staying home and now that's the solution. It's more like God, I thought I could do it all and this sucks. And now I don't want to do it all. But like that feels, there's grieving around that. Um, And then there's a lot of people that can't, don't have the choice to not quote unquote, go do it all. Um, I think when we look at how women are socialized, it's important to acknowledge that when we were told we could have everything, we weren't told the cost of that opportunity. And so it was this really like big fake, gift bestowed to us that isn't a gift. It's not an honor to do all the things when you aren't given the support to do all the things. And then to feel like a failure when you're like, oh, well, I can't do all the things. And I think that when we see like the results of that and the long-term socialization of women, by the time you get to middle age, that the outcomes around that are that we are so wrapped up and the examples I use come from a couple other people's work or a few other people's work, but we see it show up in human giver syndrome, which Emily and Amelia Nagoski talk about in their book, Burnout, where we just give and give and give at our own expense. And we're conditioned to do that. And we're conditioned to like want to be givers and shamelessly and selflessly give all the time. And then we see it come in the form of imposter syndrome, which um, Rushika Tulsian and Jodianne Burry talked about in their groundbreaking um, Harvard Business Review article where they talked about human giver syndrome, or I'm sorry, they talk about uh, imposter syndrome as a product of the patriarchy, not as yeah. an actual condition that women have. And then we have perfectionism and women striving to do it all, hold it all, be it all and look a certain way and look like they're doing it with ease and grace. And these are all social constructs. And when we look at these as social constructs versus like issues that we're struggling with, then we can see Oh wait! I was never set up to to be successful, and instead I was told that I should desire to be perfect, and I should I should feel like I don't uh, like I'm an imposter, and I should feel like I want to give all the time. And when we can flip those uh, those social constructs on their head, then I think there can be a little bit of freedom and being like, oh, this is total BS. So then maybe that's like the people you're seeing on TikTok who are like, I'm just going to stay home, like screw it all. <laughs> but in my it community, just- <laughs> go ahead.
0: Yeah, it does feel a little bit like a, a protest. Yeah,
1: a protest.
0: Yeah. But and also, I I can't help but think like it's a step backwards, and this Absolutely. is not what we want. You know, right. well, of course, we want people to do what they want. If if not working out in like the traditional sense, a nine to five job, you would rather be a full time caregiver at home. That's your choice. We've talked about this. I, I I respect that. I just hope you have a financial plan to back right. that up and to, to sustain your financial independence. Or if you choose to do. That and work, or just work, you know, like whatever you design for your life is your choice. Yeah, but we never want women, and we don't want really men either. We don't want anyone to feel as though they were backed into a corner to do this. And we did have that happen in the pandemic where women were forced, they were like ejected from the job market, from the employment world, it wasn't their desire. And now I think that transitioning back has got to be hard. what are you hearing from women who maybe took time off during the pandemic out of necessity who are now interested and have the capacity once again to go back into the market whether from home or going to an office like what's it like for them and, and because I think this is this might be a silent struggle we're not hearing about this mm-hmm.
1: I think that we're that we're seeing that women are incredibly tired and yeah incredibly burned out, although I don't know that they're labeling it as such, really overwhelmed. And then to be like, well, here's some tools, like here's some self-care tips. That just seems like kind of a slap in the face to be like, here's three things you can do to take better care of yourself. Go get a massage. Right. <laughs> like Who has time and who has money. And like, also like I, my job might be on the line. My partner's job might be on the line, but I'm going to go spend 150 bucks on a massage. Like, no, actually I'm not. Um, so I think that those pieces, I think just I don't think I think that women feel really tired without a lot of solutions and without I don't feel like there's I, I think that there's cases of hopelessness, but I also think that not just not, not so much hopelessness is less hopefulness. And so and I just had this conversation with my husband the other day where I'm like, I don't feel hopeless, but I have the lowest level of hopefulness that I've had in a long time. And that's mm-hmm. a really different feel to me. And I don't like that feeling. Um, and it's really kind of taken, caught me off guard. Um, I'm like, gosh, I thought I was like optimistic and, and grateful and, uh, and resilient. Like I really, I was like, God, I thought I was more resilient than this. And it's hard when you can't uphold a certain level of hopefulness. Mm-hmm. Um to find that sense of resiliency and to keep finding the like to every day be like yeah. I guess I'm gonna wake up and be resilient again today.
0: <laughs> right. And we've done episodes on how that word mm-hmm. is just so overused. It has yeah. sort of diminished, it has lost its value. Yeah. yeah. So what I'm hearing from you, Sarah, is really like this for the the advice for women, not that we want to put more on your plate. We're actually the advice is to do less and actually to disab to abandon some of these cultural expectations that have been put upon us, whether it is perfectionism, whether it is not voicing your struggles, because that is also a sign of not having resilience, which you've been Mm -hmm. told to always be. It's almost like you can have a good day and you can also cry and those two things can coexist Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And we should talk about both of those things equally. Yeah, yeah. And if you're on Instagram or TikTok, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> that's a problem, too, because I don't think that's helping. I don't think that's making right. us feel better about our lives. Can we talk right. about that a little bit? We talk about social media and its impact on young young people yeah. and teens. But let's also be honest about how it impacts women of all
1: ages and mothers. Yeah, I struggle a lot with social media because I do think it's so shiny. And I think that's so harmful when we only see other people's shiny parts. Um, and I try to be someone who doesn't only show the shiny parts. Um, But then oftentimes I'm like, that's why we like each other. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But then sometimes it feels like an overshare. I'm like, do people want to know that I cried all day? I don't know. (laughs) um, So, but I think it's important to not only show the shiny parts, because I think what we see when, when we uh, step back and we have this like, you know, bird's eye view of what's happening when we only see each other's shiny parts, it just makes us all feel less than. And so, if we show the real parts um, or just don't show anything at all, for that matter. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, like, I think showing nothing at all is better than just showing the shiny parts. Um, then I think that we have the opportunity for people to see where there is still collective struggle that we're all managing in private ways. Um, and I think that that part is really, really important. Um, And whether it's that you're bringing light and, you know, levity, which you're so great at doing, bringing levity to something, a mundane moment in motherhood, or you're really out there saying, like, I'm having a hard time right now. I think just those contrasts to like, look at this beautiful moment, (laughs) Um, I think are really, really significant. And I encourage people that... I encourage you and I used, I was in the fitness industry for years and I used to say like, if you're on social media and you're following someone who you think has this like incredible body and every day you see their body on Instagram and it makes you feel like crap about your own, that is a sign to unfollow that person. That is not a healthy relationship. And I would say the same thing now, when you see someone who's built a life that every day you see it on social media and it makes you feel worse about your life, that person should not be someone that you're exposed to. That is not healthy or helpful. It's harmful to you, and that person might yeah. be a great person. They might even be a great friend of yours. I've unfollowed and um, muted friends of my close friends of mine, because I'm like in this season, I can't see that, and I can't mm-hmm. do my best work for other people when I'm seeing that. So this is just not healthy for me, objectively speaking. Um, it's not because I don't value that person, I don't love them, I don't want to be friends with them. It's just that for where I'm at right now, this does not work for me, and I think. Mm-hmm. I think that level of discernment, um, I think can be really, really critical. You said it. And I would just add that in the beginning when I
0: would do that, it made me feel bad that I was doing something out of my jealousy or my envy. You know, it's like, is it the problem me? And it's not that we're trying to say the problem is them or us. It's just that this, as you you eloquently said, like in your season of your life, this is not what you want to be exposed to. That person's not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything wrong, but just because this person is your friend or this person seems to have this aspirational profile and you don't want a part of it, is fine. Like if something in you doesn't feels unsettled by what you're experiencing, you need to honor that feeling and not yeah. judge yourself or think it's a weakness because you feel that way. Right. Period. I think that's just something we have to accept. And move on. And then, um, I mean, I just today I unfollowed or muted some people because I got tired. I got tired of mm-hmm. like just all the. It was actually a mom on Instagram whose whole platform is about momhood, and I just got tired. It was like too much, mm-hmm. too much about her dancing in her kitchen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't, oh my god, I'm i the
1: dancing. In the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with the content. I'm good. I don't need any more of this. Just yesterday, there's a woman in the internet marketing space. And I was like, it's too much dancing in her living room. (laughs) Like I was literally like, I I can't with the, like the first two times it was cute. The third time it was like kind of funny. Fourth time I was like, I got it. I got it. You're great at dancing in your living room. I, I think all moms should
0: dance in their kitchen at one point on Instagram. I did this a couple of weeks ago. It got a lot of likes, but if that's every other day, right. As is the case with this one person I was following, <laughs> at least it felt that way. I was like, "I'm good, yeah, I got it, I got the message." Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you have going on and what you're yeah. excited to talk about in this season of your life. Last time when you were on, which was pre-COVID, um, I believe. I think was that my, my I my dating myself was. too much?
1: I think it, it was. was right.
0: I can tell you right now, I yeah, it was before, in the before times, I'll put that link in our episode notes so people can go back and, and hear more about our conversation then, which was, well, let's just say it was irreverent and yes. got us some fans and some and very few unhappy people, but that's okay. Well, and it's you the came on the Shameless pay. Mom
1: Academy around the same time and we had yeah. some... And within the Shameless Mom Academy, there was like some, it was just all a lot of drama. Like, I don't feel like we're dramatic people, but I mean, I was kind of proud of us that we just attracted the drama for a minute. Right, right. I mean, I learned a lot
0: too from that that experience, just in terms of my own messaging (laughs) around this very fiery opinion that I have, and that it really just comes from a very honest to goodness place. Like, I want all women to win. Yeah. And- Because I am so financially focused and I care so much about people's financial independence, I cannot untie this concept of like being a quote-unquote stay-at-home parent or as we call them now, uncompensated caregiver with uh, financial independence. Like I want, oh, maybe I'm too idealistic to think that there is a world you can create for yourself where you can have those two things coexist. Right. In the absence of financial independence, I worry for women. And unless you have a plan... I worry for you. And that's really all it is. I'm not judging you. I'm just, I'm worried because I've often seen how it can work. It can backfire in my own life, in other people's lives. People share with me a lot of the time. I wish I had had my own money. I wish I had had my own savings account. I wish I hadn't completely opted out of the workforce without a plan. I should have known that my partner didn't have life insurance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: so that's all I'll say by that. Go check out that episode. And so back then, we were talking a lot about financial independence, motherhood. These days, I believe you're really keen on, and we've kind of touched on this this idea of burnout, um, the, the perfectionism myth, and imposter syndrome. What is your advice for women as they are struggling with all of these things? Don't get a massage, that's not what we're saying, but you have other important yes. things that we need yeah. to um,
1: address. A lot of the work I'm doing now, so I do, the work I do inside the Shameless Mom Academy with our podcast, with our community is, um, you know, all around supporting moms and helping them cultivate self-trust and build courage and confidence. And that's been really at the crux of what we've been doing for seven years. But since the pandemic, um, which, and it kind of started during the pandemic, um, but it's become a bigger part of the business, is being able to go into organizations and corporations and be able to talk to groups of whether it's groups of women, groups of gender minorities, groups of other marginalized communities, and be able to talk to them about how their self-trust has been eroded over time, and then give them tools to start to be able to listen to their intuition, tap into their intuition, and really be able to listen inward to figure out what they need. And we are so constantly, chronically inundated with people telling us what we need, people telling us to go get the massage, that it becomes really hard to listen inward and recognize, like, what do I need in this moment? And how can I nurture my needs in a way that feels delicious to me? And I think those words are really important, nurture and delicious. It's not like, how can I add more to-do items to my self-care checklist, which sounds torturous <laughs> and obnoxious, but it's how can I, like, nurture my needs and use do that via delicious routines. And so I'll give an example that on my, my day of crying last, last Friday – um, first of all, I had to go into my husband's office and tell him I was having a really hard time. My husband and I share an office wall. And in my mind, he could hear me crying in my office for a long time. I'm like, does he not hear me sniffling? Like, what is he not going to come in here? And at this point, I was like, apparently he's not, he doesn't notice. And so I go into his office and he's like, what? what is wrong? Like he sees my face. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, do you didn't hear me crying next door? He's like, No. And so I had to go in and just say, I'm not doing very well. And this was kind of this like buildup of over a few months of me just like having hard days and, but then being like, oh, it's fine. And not saying anything in my own household, just being like, oh, like, I don't have the energy to get into it. I don't feel like digging, you know, but I had to go in and be like, I'm not fine. I feel like I'm not fine. I feel like there's all these hard things happening around me, around us in the world, whatever. And so that was really hard as like a perfectionist who likes to be in control of everything, even to my partner, I don't want to look or seem like I don't have it all together. So that was the first thing I did, like listening inward to be like, you need to let someone else know that you feel horrible right now. The second thing I did was after like throughout the day, trying to think through again, like I don't feel hopeless, but I'm feeling like less hopeful. And I thought it's Friday. What can I do on a raging Friday night as a mom of a 10 year old? (laughs) like, who is like, doesn't have any date night plans. I'm like, what can I do that would feel good tonight? And so I went and got my son from school. He's home. My husband's wrapping up work stuff. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to walk up to the bookstore, which is like a block from our house. I'm going to walk up to the bookstore and get a puzzle. And my husband was like, you should, that's exactly what you should do. So I go up there and I get a puzzle and I'm like, I'm just going to work on a puzzle tonight. And now for some people that's not nourishment. But for me, like to be able to control tiny little interlocking pieces in really perfect ways is like, it is the most medicinal therapeutic thing for my type A mind that can help me get out of my own brain. So I went and got my puzzle. No, I know 99% of the world is like, that's not what I want to do. Well, oh, I'm with you. I'm there
0: with you, Sarah. Next time, call me. I love a good puzzle. Yeah. My daughter and I
1: will sit and do a puzzle uh, for two hours. I after love dinner. it. Yeah. I love it. So I think it's finding the things for you. And some of that is like listening inward. And some of it's having the courage to also like tell someone else. I feel like crap. Um, yeah. but then also recognizing like, maybe the thing you need is a nap. Maybe the thing you need is drinks with a girlfriend. Maybe the thing you need is a puzzle. Maybe the thing you need is cuddles with your dog. Like I, I, maybe it's going to target, like it can be a million different things, but really recognizing like, that's the thing I need versus looking on Instagram to be like, well, what are other people doing? Oh, they're having yeah. spa days. They're having spa days at that really expensive spa that I can't afford. Like, No, don't look at that.
0: Right. Or there's something wrong with me. <laughs> right. That's the thing that we think too. Like, I'm not being smart with my time. Yeah. I'm not organizing my priorities correctly. I'm right. not getting up early enough. I'm <laughs> not getting enough sleep. Listen, whoever is getting like 10 hours of sleep a night, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And they're waking up at 5 a.m. Like, I don't right. know. I need right. I I'm up until midnight. Yeah. I've always been a night owl and my, my kids, I can see it in them too. Like, I actually think it's hereditary. <laughs> like I remember being a kid and I would hear the HBO music coming on in the living room because oh, my man. parents were, they thought I was asleep. And now the H, you know, that HBO tune, like yes. they don't play it anymore, but it's such a, it takes me back. <laughs> I, we never had HBO, so I don't know. Oh, I don't know well, the HBO those of you music, Listening, You know, I just took us back like 30 years, 40 years. <laughs> Um, I know the Netflix
1: opening sound and the Hulu opening sound.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Tell me you're 43 without telling me you're 43. Right. um, So all this to say that I I take naps. That's what I do. That's how I get my me time. And that's how I probably process some of the daily grievances that I have. I just sleep it off at two o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, But let me have my 10 p.m. To myself, awake doing right. mindless things. Sarah Dean, thank you so much for coming on the show once again and giving us the permission to unapologetically be who we are with some guardrails. Mm-hmm. You know, we need those guardrails, we need those boundaries yeah. for ourselves to protect our freedoms and our health. I'll have you back anytime. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Farnish thanks so much to Sarah Dean for joining us. Check out the Shameless Mom Academy podcast at shamelessmom.com. Learn more about Sarah at sarahdean.com. I'll see you back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. And in the meantime, I hope your day is so money.